What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Great things are often comprised of two parts. Sandwiches with two halves of a bun. Stories with a compelling beginning and end. Relationships with two participants. The samples listing is long and never-ending. What also doesn't stop during this most recent Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, Season 6, Episode 9, Collision Course, Part 2, is the quality. Now shared with us across two grand episodes. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The not-so-mysterious success of Mysterio. There's a video that Agent Kip shared with me this morning that I want to share with all of the listeners that you'll find over at our Facebook presence over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. And in it, you'll find the actual designer of Mysterio for the recent feature film, Spider-Man Far From Home, that I want all of you to watch. It's tremendous, and the reason that it's tremendous is not because there's all kinds of super awesome detailed interviewage going on. It's because of the incredible concept art. Everything from, yes, let's put an absolutely spherical fishbowl on the guy's head to let's try it without it and see what it looks like. And everything there in between. Right. And I love that. The the character designs of bringing the heroes that were on the written page into ones that are on the now cinematic film page, you've got me all day long regardless of who it is. Whether it's something like Spider-Man. Spider-Man appearing inside of the Captain America Civil War film was extraordinary. But it was only just Spider-Man looking. It was not an exact replica of any particular costume inside of the Spider-Man right. realm. But it was, you look at it and you go, oh, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. It's also a Spider-Man we haven't seen yet. Right. And if, again, if we look at Far From Home, and this isn't spoilerific for anybody if you haven't seen it, that also offers a bunch of other costumes, all of which, even the one that has no detail and only white eyes on it, you look at it and you go, oh, Spider-Man. 
Yeah, right. And yeah. that's the magic and the and the skill set that I'm talking about in regard to costume and character design inside of the MCU that is featured inside of this interview. I want you all to go look at it again. It's over our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Nick, a lot to get to inside of this second part of this second episode, Collision Course Part 2. Let's get straight to it. I'm ready to explode. Drop the hammer. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Seeing the Spire. Confirmation on satisfaction factor detail. You were absolutely right. My guess is that if I went back to the previous episode, mm-hmm. part one, and I looked at the screen more definitively, you can only just make out like a, a, a piece that looks like a piece of hay in the distance inside of that, that barreling truck shot. If you shot. didn't know where the truck was headed towards to, you wouldn't you know what you were looking you, at. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I, I now understand not only that, yes, I did miss it inside of the first episode, but how much more satisfying these two episodes would have been together. There's no question yes. in my mind. And we're going to talk a lot about that as this episode goes on. And again, I don't know how, I guess maybe a, there is no such thing as a mid-season break anymore, especially when you consider that a, a lot of people will be listening to this episode of our podcast. And not only did they get to just sit and watch a big bunch of episodes together, they never knew where a break or there was a break was. Yeah. Maybe even seasons. You, The the, the bleed through inside of the last two seasons of this show has been pretty thick. Mm-hmm. So if all you did was watch it and it was action-packed episode after action-packed episode after action-packed episode with cliffhangers, you might not actually know where the seasons much end, much less another episode's beginning. Except for the opening title sequence changing. That really would be your only, yeah. uh, your no, only you're right. clue, really. Yeah. There is something else, and I guess this probably could have gone into show notes, but we'll be sure to link up to it. There's an article that I just dropped inside of my own personal Facebook presence, and inside of there, there's some actual really great, superb Netflix tricks, and one of them refers to something called Super Netflix, and what that does is it automatically runs Netflix, especially when you're watching a series of anything. It runs it through it and automatically takes you through all of the intro crap that's inside of each of the in-between of the episodes. So if you're going to sit and binge watch, say, an entire season or a bunch of episodes of something, yeah. you can actually put your Netflix into super Netflix mode. And it will actually just play through. It, hmm. You won't have any of those breaks where maybe originally you... We're going to go to the bathroom. Well, now you can just use a colostomy bag and you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding with the colostomy bag part. Yeah, but you can just press pause. Yeah. The, the bottom line, though, is that there are a bunch of tricks. They'll be listed inside of that article that we'll link up in the show notes for this episode. And again, my total kudos to these two parts, which I really wish could have been somehow presented as one. Talking tech. Shelter charges. History tech, and more. This is tremendous. The way that this product, this shelter charge, is showcased is that it's not just showcased and now they give a name to it. In in fact, it's actually quite the opposite. Mm. They talk about, uh, Sarge says, don't forget to bring those shelter charges. And you instantly go, hmm, what's that? And it reminds me again, this show does it often. I, I, 
I'm certain it's just me, and you'll probably get the reference too, but it reminds me very much of D&D gaming, <laughs> where there are books and and literature and, and module books and all kinds of referential material that allows you to go to things and objects and and animals and, and creatures and right, spirits yeah. and wizards and dragons and everything else. And the neat part is that when you something is mentioned that you've never heard before, your ears suddenly perk up and you go, whoa. And and you instantly want to know more. And then they did it perfectly because oh, I want to know more. And so they give you a little bit more. They give you a little bit of history. They pepper in a story about a dude that died and, you know, essentially his destroyed face his burned off. face yeah. burned off. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was great. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. And then it's not probably, in, I don't know, another 20, 25 minutes until we actually see that freaking thing. So a really, really well done talking tech moment where we don't actually see it immediately, but it is referenced and then showcased later inside the episode. I thought that that was extraordinary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yet again, it's another item from uh, Sarge's bag of holding for all mm, my mm. D&D friends. Very well put. Uh, <laughs> that uh, he, he gets to bring out to help fulfill the mission. Oh, fulfill the mission and then the story tell. I love it. Yeah. I, I th- I'm trying to think of the time where I've seen something like a bag of holding inside of a story tell anywhere inside of any television series or movie. And I don't know that I've never not liked it because why not? It, it works for Mary Poppins. <laughs> and that's where we ask you guys, what is your talking tech moment for this episode? Let us know by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what your talking tech moment is for this episode. Owning it to people to see it through. I think I was being skeptic when I wrote this bullet point. Because very often when you're just going to, hey, you're an army man, get out in the middle and, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're sacrificing this because you owe it to the people. Yeah. Very often it's just kind of a... It feels vague. It feels, it feels like it's worthless when it when it's said that way. Mm. And after seeing what happens throughout the rest of this episode, it's incredibly well put because it is taken as that, but it's not showcased as that. The way that the writers and the director painted it on top of the actor's portrayal here was Sarge literally saying the words, you owe it to the people. And you kind of go... Well, no, you kind of don't. But that isn't what showcased at that moment. But then what happens throughout the episode arc actually fosters the fact that you as the viewer were right to think that, no, you should not just give yourself up because you owe it to the people. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. I I thought that that was a it was a a little hidden nugget that I was able to come back to because I was ready to rail on the episode when this started because that's a bunch of BS. When somebody says, you know, you owe it because of the people to see it through. No, (laughs) there's almost always some solution that will get a whole lot more done for positives for everybody, in particular when there's death involved. No. Somewhere there's going to be an option. And when people tell you that there is no option, that makes me, that makes me wary, especially inside of real life. Right. Well, I I forgive it because it's part of Sarge's character, and he is the mm. the mm. only thing that matters mm. is the mission, and the people that he has surrounded himself are also supposed to feel that way as well. So when they start to waver, that's where he goes to. It, it it's his it, whip you, cracking. Right. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, well said. And it does 
we get to see the duality of that throughout the episode mm. and how seeing it through yes the statement is true the meaning behind it coming from sarge is false and i and i like the way that the resolution of that panned out in this episode was enough production design time spent on the coleman bomb you and i are renowned fosterers of the production design crew inside of this program however i do have to mention that the bomb looked like it should have had a Coleman logo on it. For those that aren't familiar with the Coleman logo, what I'm referring to is it looks like something you would find inside the sporting goods section of Walmart that would have the Coleman logo on it and would then be taken outside to provide light to you and your family as you go out for your camping trip. I did. I was not digging it. Mm. It's one of the very few times in Agents of Shieldum that I can remember being almost completely underwhelmed by something in production design. I really didn't have a problem with the design of it. I had a problem uh, with the execution of it, which we'll get to in a later point. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm curious what you guys thought. Am I just alone and having far too high expectations for this program in regard to something that's as vital as a giant bomb that not only doesn't just disappear inside this episode, but is actually a a future playing point inside of this episode. Let me know what you think. Again, by going over to our Facebook presence, that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there or start your own and let us know what you think. Sarge takes the Zephyr again. This is extraordinary. And it reminds me how much value there would have been had this episode been tethered to the previous episode as one chunk, as an entree. Right. It doesn't make me angry, but it makes me much, much more satisfied that this is actually here and was tethered to what we've already seen. And it makes me want to have them somehow able to deliver 43 minutes times two of television, and I don't know how they're going to fix that. Uh, Obviously, this floats around where if this could have happened a week earlier, well, it's during the national holiday. And I think it would have been appropriate and easily to put, easy to pull off. Because when is it you're going to have more extra time to watch another 43 minutes of television than, ding, 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 during a national holiday? Yeah. You and I have talked about the, the goony ability of the schedule makers to do things that make absolutely no sense that we can discern. And it's going to continue, and there's no way to fix it. I just wish that there could be a way to fix it. I think it has something to do with just trying to pad it out. You mm. only have 13 episodes. They took one week off, so it's going to take 14 weeks to show all the, these these 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that they're trying to stretch it out as much as they can, but they're mm-hmm. not gonna, you can't stretch it out if you're going to put your two-parter and put it together. It should have been shown together. Mm-hmm. It's a two-parter. It definitely paints the previous episode in a totally different light if you were to watch them back to back. And most people who watch the show will probably end up binging it, so they will be watching it back to back. So there won't be any kind of any real, whoa, that was really weird. Boy, th- these two episodes should have been shown together. They will be shown together. Unfortunately, we decide to review every episode as it airs so 
we are the ones that suffer. We are the ones who bear the responsibility of having to deal with subpar programming. <laughs> All for you. That's right, because we owe it to the people we to see owe it, it through. To the people <laughs> to see this podcast through. Resigning oneself to the end. This has been done extraordinarily inside of a variety of movies and television shows. The one that I remember before this one, where not only did it impact me, it impacted me very heavily, as did the rest of that film. But it was the third Toy Story film. For those of you that have not seen any of the Toy Story films, you should stop listening to this podcast and go watch them all. Because they're all very, very good. The third one, for those that are curious, will destroy you internally. (laughs) And I'm talking about emotional roller coaster beyond level description actually it's not beyond level description we've actually got episodes dedicated to their perspective reviews and we'll be sure to link those up in the show notes Um, the bottom line though is that being able to effectively showcase the resignation of oneself at the end of you know the end is coming what is it you're going to do when the end is coming right and being able to show that effectively on television well guess what this show just did it i i thought that the incredibly effective nature of what they show as May and Daisy and Snowflake and Deke realize the bomb's going to go off and it's over. And so what are we going to do with our last 10 to 30 seconds of time? Right. I thought it was extraordinarily compelling. What is it that Daisy did? And what I'm referring to here, she does a variety of things inside this episode that I think are extraordinary. But what... I am assuming from what we saw visually that she was able to produce a bubble of some kind around the the atom bomb such that it did explode, but she was able to encapsulate it so that it did not explode. And that, that, but that doesn't make any sense. Especially, I, I don't understand the science behind that. And, oh. I, I, and I'm all for the made up science of comic book and comic book based properties. Mm-hmm. But you got to explain it to me. And I don't get this. I don't either. I mean like outright. Uh, literally it's like oh, oh, okay she's she's shaking it but isn't that supposed to make it go off? I I don't know. And, I, I and don't whatever know. she does stops it from detonating but it's still active. It still could go off mm-hmm. if something else and does. bumped it. Yeah. And 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 will eventually. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But what? Yes. That I, is exactly where I was. And this is... Because I'm like, whoa, awesome. I'm glad they're not all dead, but how... I, if, if, if any of you have ever been driving, this is, this is going to be perfect. Especially, like, right after you get your driver's license. If you've ever been driving and you go, okay, I'm going to blah, and you've never been there. And this would have been way before Google Maps or just being able to call somebody and go, where the hell am I? Right. But you're driving and you're like, I'm lost. I have no idea where I'm at. And, oh, my God, it's after 10 o'clock, so most of the gas stations are closed. What am I going to do? And then you just suddenly find yourself kind of in the area where you're supposed to be, and you start recognizing things, and then you go, oh, there it is. And you find yourself to your destination. That's exactly what this felt like. It felt like, okay, well, I know Daisy's going to save the day because they put her in place to save the day. And, hey, oh, look, Daisy saved the day. The day is saved. But I don't understand how the day got saved, like at all. I am not against... Daisy saving the day. What I am against is Daisy X Machina. 
<laughs> and that's look that's end of the world exactly what yeah. this is because yeah. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. do it yeah. not only does she do it here but then she does it a few minutes later and we're going to get to that point in a little bit yeah here's my problem and this is this is my biggest problem with this episode you have your tech character of deke and oh i've what but i'm not that good i'm good but i'm not that good it's almost as if the writers were so afraid to go into the trope of, well, sure, the tech guy will get it in and, and snip yeah. the red wire yeah, they, with two seconds left before right. it goes off. They were so afraid to do that trope that they decided, let the super-powered character save the day. Well, And that makes it even worse, because yeah. I could accept Deke... Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then and then Daisy or May or or even Snowflake slapping him in the face. He gets that laser focus and then uh, 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 snip and, yeah. and it stops. An executive decision movie. Right. Right. And then and, it's and a, I'm kind of right. And I'm kind of happy that they didn't do that. Not giving Deke the solution. Thumbs up. I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Fine. But but if he's not going to be the solution, shake, rattle and roll is not the, a solution. Not only is it not a solution, is it a new power something that there's she's no power showcased? she's just shaking well, right you you and i are on the same page and i'm absolutely certain that everybody that's listening to this podcast is on the exact same page or they know exactly what happened because they are a follower of quake in the books who knows the bottom line is that we want to hear from you first off what did you think of this were you in the same boat where i'm at where what is it that daisy did or do you know some more intel that will help us and the people listening to this podcast understand more about what's going on let us know what you think by going over to our website that's agentsofshield.tv click anywhere inside the web form fill that out and tell us enlighten us educate us what is it that daisy did yo-yo and the bridge take back brilliant i love everything that we see about yo-yo inside of this episode from stem to stern it reminds me of what I would have liked to have seen since the beginning of this season with Yo-Yo and, you know, the other super-powered character that's on the team. Well. And th that's not a lament. That's a, that's a I want to see more Yo-Yo. They have started painting her as a character that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. She ticks all of my marks, everything from the, the banal of, my God, it's a gorgeous, curvy woman to she's an endearing character that's having a wonderful story unfold. And I want to see more of her. Oh, by the way, she's also got superpowers. Yep. And metal hands. Yes. Sign me up. And I, I love that. The, the bridge take back scene here I'm referring to is where we are not taken into anything colloquial to take back the bridge. The colloquial take the bridge back would have included eventually Yo-Yo standing on the bridge, arms akimbo, and she's taken back the bridge and ha-ha and Sarge. Right. And that's not what happens here. And I'm really happy, you know, like I was able to move faster than the alpha sine wave tachyon pulse of the actual shelter charges. And that's how I was able to skirt through your device. There wasn't anything stupid like that. And I'm really glad that they didn't choose to do that. She played on Jocko's humanity, mm -hmm. even though he's not, not human, human. Right. And used the two three seconds it took to turn off the device and step over to help pax uh -huh. to get in there and do what she needed to do and by sli slipping and slipping yeah. the key into in a yeah. max hand and it was brilliant it yeah. was it was it was against the grain and absolutely chucks a wonderful positive point up inside this episode may and daisy 
make plan. This is very effective because now that we, May and Daisy, we know who these characters are. We're not right. being introduced to anything new. And being able to watch them suss out something mm-hmm. and it taking a matter of seconds and then them conveniently sharing a piece of what the plan is and then watching the plan get executed. This is how we know we're comfortable with the characters that we're being provided yeah. and comfortable that whatever they're going to deliver is going to be satisfying because it is. Yep, yep, exactly. And it's incredibly well done here with Daisy and May. The characters that they have been able to paint with the two of them interacting together, especially while away from the rest of the team, I think really is extraordinary at this point. As I've said, it's the character development throughout five-plus seasons of a show. Really, you don't have to do anything anymore where these characters are concerned. You don't have to keep on peeling back layers we've seen the layers we Mm -hmm. know who they are Mm -hmm. and now it's just you know exactly how they're going to react in these situations you know that they're going to come up with a plan it ain't over specifically these two characters can think on their feet fast enough to where a plan can be formed put into place within not even minutes seconds Seconds. yeah yeah Catching the 226 dangle and a challenge ensues. This is good. We all know that Sarge is not an idiot. We also know that everybody else in the room is also not an idiot. Right. And so the catching the shield 226 portion was excellent. I I kind of wish there'd been maybe one or two less offerings of the agent two two agents two 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 six thing. Right. Because it eventually got to the point where if nobody noticed it, everybody's an idiot. Including the people saying the yeah. words Agent Two Two Six <laughs> And I just I, I think you got your call sign mistake. <laughs> no, no. We are exactly the same. Yeah. We are two two six just we're both we're both two two sixes. Yeah, you're two two six, aren't you? I'm pretty sure that you're two two six. We're all two two six. We're all screwed. Yeah, maybe just a hair trigger less on the two two six. But I like that it's here, and I like that it doesn't fool anybody because it it wouldn't have. It, it wasn't terribly overt. Mostly, they were going to get away with it uh, where the alien bad guys are concerned, but not Sarge. Yeah. So who is? the bad guy this is very good and looking back now at the previous episode again which should have been a, a, a the first portion of this episode not a separate episode I love that they are painting both Sarge and Zell you can't quite suss out exactly who is the bad guy and I think that that's extraordinary we're knee deep into a bomb should have went off to destroy everything including our heroes to make sure that Izel's forces and effort are nullified, and it didn't happen. Yeah. But I don't feel like, oh, and now the vampires are going to come and get us. I don't feel that. Because there's still something going on with whatever the hell Sarge is doing and wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so who is the bad guy? Obviously, we can see what the bat slash shrike birdies will do to people, and it's not good. But does Sarge have a worse plan that kills planets because he's already done that i uh, no, technically speaking no he hasn't killed a planet he never did that he was just there when it happened mm. he has never destroyed it, 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 correct me if i'm wrong folks but 
we are led to believe that he would be a world destroyer, but it actually turns out that he's try he's been trying to save worlds, mm. and it's just he's too little, too late. Well, and maybe that is the answer to the question then. So he is the good guy. He's just incredibly focused on getting a solution, and right? Not, and uh, doesn't worry about the right. He's collateral a bull, he's a bull in a china shop. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did everyone in the truck go into the section of the truck with windows in it? Was there a line of dialogue that covers this that I just missed inside of the episode? Well, there's only My two. God, there's 53 foot of this truck that we need to get into. Let's make sure that we stand inside the four and a half feet that has a window. It was more than four and a half feet. They were in the, the looked like the, the majority of the trailer bed area. Well, right, but not did all of them had windows like that? No. I don't think so. Well, I guess we need to go back and take a look at the interior to well, see where the windows pull were. Pull up the tape. Yeah, that's exactly uh, that's what I'll do. I'll get right on it. I'll, I'll pull up the tape. Whether the thing had windows or not, if there's no windows, there's no peril. I so agree. it's kind well, of a yes and no because they were gonna they were breaking through anyway. They were breaking through the the truck. They were well. They eventually, they, eventually, eventually, they would have gone through, the, gotten through the metal. Right. But you can't see the peril coming at you, and maybe it was the fact. Hey, we've got this money that we got to spend on digital effects, man. We're going to show the Shrike flying like like freaking flock of birds, mm. and we're gonna we're gonna show we're gonna show the shit out of it. Yeah, I, I didn't put it in here as a point, but I may as well insert it because we're kind of right in that little wheelhouse. What did you think of? Agent May snapping a Shrike out of midair to prevent Deke mouth entry. That's what Agent May does. <laughs> That's I, I, pure I, Melinda I, May. Yes, I will grant that. And I, I again, I didn't make it a bullet point because you know everybody goes, oh yeah, and the story f fosters on very quickly forward. So I, I guess I'm okay with that. But her, her yanking <laughs> a plummeting strike that's just come through the window out of thin air okay okay a strangely quiet moment in the lab this episode does something extraordinarily well and it takes what is supposed to be oh my god look it's another fight between characters in particular super powered characters that are going to kick each other's ass Except they don't. Yeah. And it's gold. It's absolute gold. It's playing not only against the grain, it's playing into something completely different than what we're used to getting, than what we would get if this was a show on, say, a WB network. And it is instantly more satisfying and delicious because of it. I'm going to have to disagree with you with the WB statement. Oh, shut up and count out of my opinion. Because I watch the CW shows, and I do enjoy them, and some of the writing is quite good. Mm -hmm. Some of it's not, but mm -hmm. some of it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I get pathos in that show just like I get pathos in this show. Mm. Uh, this right here is a perfect example of two characters who, up to this point, are known for taking action. Mm -hmm. Jocko being the one that can can take a beating but also dish one out and make a killer souffle. Right, evidently. And Yo-Yo being the hey, I've I've got powers. I I will use my abilities unlike other people who will sit and wait and talk. I can use my abilities to get things done. Yet they both take the time to actually have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Because the game has changed. Jocko 
probably Sarge's most loyal soldier is seeing the cracks in the man that he's following. He comes from a background of peace. Mm -hmm. And Elena uses that. I mean, she, she, she flat out uses that. You were the runt. You were a baker. Would your family really want you to be doing this, killing innocent people? And it, it just goes to show that even in a show that's, uh, you know, your nice little comic book based show on Friday nights, it doesn't have to be all punches and shoot 'em ups and explosions. You don't always have to fight to get a resolution to a situation. And this is a beautiful scene that paints that picture perfectly. Can the Zephyr catch a spaceship? I mean, obviously, yes. Well, the answer because, is yes. Because if they can't, boy, it's going to be a short episode. <laughs> no, it's going to be The Last Jedi. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Very well said. And, and I don't think any of us want that. No. No, I... <laughs> so, of no. course, the, the last Zephyr shield is... Of Agent shield. The, the Zephyr is going to catch a spaceship. Yeah. Uh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's I get it. smaller. I get it. Can it. Move, uh, it, it should be able to move faster. It should be able to navigate through the atmosphere and the gravitational pull easier than a giant ship like that. Technically, physics is in its favor. The teeter-totter of Sarge and Mac and time for told ya. <laughs> there is a scene in here and it's wonderful. And it's where suddenly Mac instantly takes on the persona and if not the script writing of Sarge inside of previous points inside of this and the previous episode oh, episodes really the season and it feels like the dialogue that's coming out of Mac's mouth is actually written for Sarge and vice versa mm. it, it's so wonderful and then the payoff inside of this where previously inside the episode Mac has said hey I'm going to be getting back my ship I just want to let you know and then the payoff of told you inside of this was immensely satisfying there are very few times where i have a very satisfying laugh to myself especially when i'm alone inside of a inside of the studio watching an episode of anything and this was one of them yeah. it was instantly a guffaw satisfied laugh that i don't know that i've had in, a, in quite a while it was very very well done uh, my situation was you know the fight happens i'm like all right finally this is what we've been building towards we get a really great fight sequence to encapsulate it all the, the nice exclamation point on it is told you i laughed out loud because i was not expecting that neither from mac i wasn't either and the, again the dynamic of being able to take colson's last sarge to be kicking the giant chocolate black man ass yeah dude that 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 that, that bowled me over i was absolutely satiated with that and again the again the the exclamation point on the point that I have written for this is told you exclamation point and so well executed finally liquify mode <laughs> Mike Wilkerson brain has been talking about this for what three seasons now it's like hey look peril great Commander Wilkerson, what's the command? Oh, I don't know. Liquefy everything? Right. <laughs> because that's what should happen. That's your go-to move. If yes. you had the quake I, powers, it would always be liquefied <laughs> yes. mode. Oh, I, I see that there's a bit of peril around the corner, Mike. What would you like to do? Um, liquefy everything? Figure it out later? Oh, yes, sir. And that's what should be happening. And that's exactly what happens here. 
It also is discernible as to that's what's happening. It is effectively done inside of slow motion. It's clear to me that that is what she is doing. Every single Shrike that comes into whatever her cone of awesome is here as she's leaving an opening that's the size of a door opening. Yeah. She is liquefying each and everything that comes through that portal. Thumbs up, absolutely showcased perfectly, incredibly dynamic, incredibly dramatic, and wonderfully quake. But she's got her arms to her side. It's it's almost as if instead of channeling the quake powers through her hands, which she's done all the time, mm-hmm. it was almost as if at this particular point in time she's decided to use her whole body. Like a dish. Uh, yeah, a- as a, like a dish as they're coming yeah, through the door. But, yeah. but, but then also another problem that I had was there weren't all that many that came through that door. Yeah, weren't you expecting like a, a giant flood? It mass? was a flock. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it should be like a murder of crows type of deal. Yeah. And it, it it seemed like maybe there was fifteen at most. Yeah. And then the day is saved. I'm like, what? But where where are the rest of them? Yeah. Where did everybody? Where did all uh, the rest of the stuff go? I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. There, there's something else I wanted to bring up too about the. I don't know what to call it—the absorption of the nuke moment. Because uh-huh. I again, yeah, let's go I, back to that. Well, yes, let's jump to, back to that. There's something that's happened in the last month that I'm not really willing to acknowledge because I have not seen it, but I do remember experiencing the original comics portion of a character called Dark Phoenix, and what uh-huh. I, and what I remember from that was. For those that have not read the original comic, I totally recommend that you go grab the giant annual that showcases all that. Or There's two or three now graphical novels that encapsulate the entire series of that run that you can go and buy. Well, if you're going to, you got to read the Phoenix Saga before you read the Dark Phoenix Saga, or else you're doing yourself a disservice. I, I agree with that. The, the bottom line, though, is that there was a there was a series of comics and stories that were told via comic bookdom mm-hmm. that... I think I've just resigned myself to it, cannot ever be emulated on celluloid for us to see in a film. Sadly. I, I just I just don't think it can be done. But having said that, for those of you that do know anything about either the Phoenix or the Dark Phoenix saga, what you will know is that the absorption of energy is incredibly important in both of those stories. Yep. I thought perhaps... They weren't going to spin this into, hey, look, it's Daisy who's going to become the Dark Phoenix. But wouldn't it have been interesting that she has somehow been able to absorb that atom bomb energy and then been able to transfer that to this massive flock of you got to be kidding me that could have never been overcome by only the quake power. Mm. And I don't know how they could have painted that, but wouldn't that have been very interesting? That would have made the whole absorbing not absorbing containing whatever the hell yeah if, if she, and if, the just standing there and looking at them yeah liquefy mode that would have made all of that a little bit more epic and, and and that's the only thing i could think about after we got done getting the slow motion bird liquefy mode done i'm like why on earth couldn't they have just had daisy say something like i can't believe i absorbed it how did i do that like she doesn't even know how she did it. Right. And then she just, she knew to go and fling open the door. That was all pulled off perfectly. And then if somehow that energy could have then been released in a cone mm-hmm. through the door that then just, 
liquefies everything that's out through the door and outside the door. Yeah. That would have been incredibly interesting to to foster that. And I, I again, I, I it's it's done now, so it doesn't make any difference. But I, I thought that that was really really interesting and a good solid representation of liquefy mode. When docking ports don't matter, this is pulled off so adeptly that I I almost didn't leave this in here. But something you have to remember is that docking ports especially across alien cultures and alien ship technologies are not universal and that they do show what is essentially a cutting through and then falling through. I, I was thumbs up on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a seal would be made. Okay. Get me the cutters Hudson cut a bypass. Right. And that's what exactly what would have happened. So I was really happy that we saw that and it was so quick that you don't really think about it except when you think about it. Hmm. And so checks in both checkboxes. Thumbs up. And I thought Mac looked perpetually angry. Man, the actor that is Jocko has the perpetual angry face no matter what he's thinking about. I love my dad. I love chocolate chip cookies that we baked when I was a child. And all the whole time it looks like I'm going to fry your brain. Right. <laughs> It was wonderful, and seeing the two of them standing next to each other, having the essentially the same faces, they're preparing for a battle. It was tremendous. It was great until, and I thought Mac looked big. <laughs> it wasn't great enough comparing the angry faces of Mac and and Jocko. Let's compare the size right. of Mac and Jocko, <laughs> yeah. because just like Mac makes. I guess anybody <laughs> look incredibly tiny. Jocko is a monster compared yeah. standing next to Mac. I mean, like, I'm not kidding. Like the same comparison between Colson and Mac is made between Jocko and Mac. Yeah. And it was extraordinary. That whole little 30 second scene right there is just such a wonderful story. Tell all visually, all visually. It, yes. It, it was, it was tremendous. <laughs> A tear-jerking turbo moment. How many times can the giant chocolate black man make Mike Wilkerson cry inside of this episode? <laughs> and the first one was right here, where we get a tiny turbo reunion moment. And my God, they have painted wonderful characters with these characters. They've painted this extraordinary erector set that's made of these little nuts and bolts that when they put them together, they make little magical moments inside of storytelling mm -hmm. that I can't quite quantify in words, but I will try. And this is one of them. It doesn't last more than 10 seconds, right? but it's incredibly touching and heartwarming and they pulled it off expertly. They've taken the Quinjet. What do you mean? They've taken the Quinjet. They're animals, man. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wrong movie. <laughs> but there is a dude named Pax yeah. inside of this episode. This was the second time inside of this episode where I don't exactly understand the words that are coming out of someone's mouth. What? So well, as they're heading back to the hole that they cut open, there's Shrike-infested alien crew members coming out of said hole. So they've evidently secured... The Quinjet, their escape route is no longer viable. Okay. And you're supposed you're supposed to get that with the that one line of dialogue. They've taken the Quinjet, and the fact that they're jumping out of the hole is like, oh well, 
can't we either back. have to. We can't fight through them because they don't die. We don't right. have anything that kills them. Right, right. <sighs> An unanticipated reunion. This was tremendous too. Where it's like the writers go, okay, how do we make a reunion happen? But we don't want it to be like a reunion. How do we do that? This is how. This is how. There is peril at every side. We'll make a common area. They all meet in the common area in one of three parts. Ready and film it. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Because as much magic as there was, not quite as much magic as the turbo moment, but as much energy as there was inside of the turbo moment, there's also that akin energy inside of the reunion moment for all of them as they meet in that that three-part piercing moment. Yeah. I thought that that was extraordinary also. Talking tech. A certain portal thingy. Now, typically, we don't do two talking tech moments inside of an episode, but this was an extraordinary moment that I wanted to also recognize once again that wonderful device that's made out of the circular O's. Because it's used again here twice and incredibly effectively. The first time bringing the team onto the top of the truck to come in and uh, have a, a wonderfully bold reunion. And then the second time to take Jocko in for his final move, which we'll get to here in just a few minutes. Anyway, it's another opportunity to talk about the portal thingy, which in a previous episode we called the inversion transporter hole. Again, a piece of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. storytelling tech that we've talked about previously that I think is a masterstroke. It's so simple. It's even simpler this time because there is no upside-downy inversion blah, especially inside of the second time that it's used for for Jocko exiting and then going to uh, evoke his last deed. Right. I think it's a, it's a masterstroke. And again, we ask you guys, what did you see inside this episode? That is a talking tech moment that we should be talking about. Go over to our Facebook presence, chime in on one of the threads that's there, or start your own, and tell us what we should be talking about in regard to tech. A bold, smoking, breathing, exploding move for Jocko. This is a wonderful period on the end of a sentence of a character that's been around just long enough to get a really interesting taste and bite of that he makes this move knowing that it is it is it almost falls into that same resigning to one's own end moment inside yeah, of this i mean it, it is and it is it's extraordinary it's also greatly disappointing for me at least because with the progress that yo-yo made getting and not even turning Jocko to their side, just the them working on the side, the, the same side for the right reasons. I was kind of hoping Jocko was going to stick around yep. and be a part of the team moving forward. I was like, I'm we've got two totally humans. Let's have an alien who can pass for just a really big human that br- that br- breathes fire effectively, breathes fi- which we've is got a, a cheap new effect. power set, right? That we don't have on this team. Uh, I, I wanted I, I, him to be 
a member, a, a new member of I'd, the Agents of Shield. I'd actually made another point. We'll just loop it into this one. And the next point was going to be a missed team up opportunity, and this was without question as as satisfying as I found Jocko's final sacrificial moment. It was great. It was it was outstanding. But it really does showcase a completely missed opportunity for yeah. team up. And I really would have liked to have seen that because I think he also would have delivered something. We have a giant chocolate black man that's leading. He is the director, yes. But this other dude that is, you know, the big bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, we you've don't got the have muscle. anything like that. Yeah. We don't have we don't yeah. have the muscle, and we yeah. don't have somebody who could breathe fire. Yeah, I agree and with that, and, and it really would have liked to have seen that. It would have been a dynamic that out of everybody involved in Sarge's group. Jocko is the one who seems the least bloodthirsty mm-hmm. when it comes to just, eh, well, there's people around, let's just yeah. kill them. Yeah, it's not Jocko smash. He knows what he has yeah. to do, mm-hmm. and it's not like he revels in it like Snowflake or is fine with it like Pax, but he doesn't necessarily, he's like, oh, no, we can't do this to yeah. people. He's also not overzealous like Sarge is. Right. He's right down the middle and understands an effort, and that's he, why he, he gives would have himself. been a perfect yeah. addition. Again, the way he went out, like a damn hero, like a boss. <laughs> but it would have been nice for him to stick around. Yeah. The final scene, pitch around, which is not the final scene, by the way. This is great. Agents of Shield excels tremendously when they do things like this. We've talked about it for at least three, probably four seasons now, where regardless of the team, they're able to take the ball and pitch it around from glove to glove and give an extraordinary amount of storytelling and info dump that doesn't feel like either of those things. Mm-hmm. And I have to hand it to it here on this very first of two that's used towards the end of the episode. It's extraordinary how they're able to pull it off and all with in almost every single case, all they're using is uh, focus zoom. Yeah, yeah. So whether yeah. it's somebody in the far background and then they zoom forward or six or eight feet and now it's those two, or they pitch back around behind those two and there's another two people speaking. It's incredibly well done and it makes you instantly aware of what's going on, but satisfied from what you're taking in. And yeah. I, I really, really appreciate that. Does Deke have... A hickey? Or does he have a series of hickeys? And he does have a series of hickeys. He does, indeed, yes. Hardcore. (laughs) Hardcore hickeys. Not only do we have the hickeys, but uh, the... I was almost ready to slap my forehead and go, What? When Deke brings Snowflake into the party, and they start, We're going to have the hors d'oeuvres. No, yeah, because we're a couple. I'm like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. She's a murderer. But the great thing about it is is that I didn't have to slap my my hand to my forehead and go, what? Daisy did it for me. Daisy comes over and is like, hey, uh, why is she running free? <laughs> yeah, when do we lock her I'm up? Like, exactly. Oh, thank you. The, the writers didn't fall asleep in the writing room. <laughs> and, and yes, even though Deke is still very taken with her and doesn't want to break up with her, she is put away. She is locked. She is sequestered. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so she's still around. I'd rather have Jocko. I don't want to see Deke split open so that he could turn into a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> but on the se- on the other hand, it's like Snowflake. I don't. Snowflake doesn't deserve to be happy because she's insane. 
The subtlety of the sleeping agent and a toast. Rather than making the sleeping agent a chest burster moment, which I'm glad they didn't. Right. But making it peculiar enough to go, hmm, at least two or three times. I thought that that was extraordinary because I think all of us have at least one friend where you've got to be kidding me. How in the hell is Alan still sleeping through this? Mm. And so that was great to see. I, I appreciate that. And, and I'm glad that they've included a piece of humanity inside of that agent. That's cool. And then the toast. The toast is extraordinarily heartwarming. It is. Yeah. It, it, it makes it makes for another couple of extraordinarily satisfying sentences on the end of an episode that, again, should have been 43 times 2 and not 1 times 43 and 1 times 43. True. The subtlety of Davis, and I'm going to use air quotes here by referring to him as Davis, because let us not forget what happened before the ship blew up. Both Jocko and Davis had eyes on Izel. Mm -hmm. Davis takes the long way around so that Jocko can go straight forward, go up the stairs, and boom, we've got her cornered. But she all of a sudden disappears. And Davis is standing there coming through the door. Now all of a sudden, Davis is sleepy and isn't moving around. Well, here's the thing. We have not wrapped up this story. The story is not over. Oh, no. Izel is not dead. I, I, can, I can guarantee exactly. We never see a body. We know the ship has been destroyed, and we know that all of the crewmen that were in the room with Jocko when he detonated, we know they're dead, too. But we never saw what happened to the Quinjet. Remember, the bad guys had it. So one could assume either A, Izel has escaped on said Quinjet, or B, my way of thinking, and I could be wrong, what if that body she's got is just a host, just like the other Shrikes? Mm. What if she's just a bigger, more alien queen-esque type Shrike mm -hmm. yeah. and, ha and goes into another body? That, that would make a lot of sense, especially because uh, Sarge didn't say it, but he does allude to her as a being mm -hmm. as opposed to Oh, it's you. Right. And yeah. I, that that's effective. That's effective. I like that. I like that a lot. The second pitch around. This one is also extraordinary. This one also helps cover up some of the what Nick is talking about here because there is such a casual illusion used in regard to Davis being kind of a prop inside of a series of selfies by What's-Her-Face. <laughs> He's in an incubation period. Yeah, exactly. And it's terribly effective. The, the, the whole end of this is, is, is outstanding. This second pitch around scene leads to... How does the large chocolate black man make Mike cry twice in one episode? This is how. Whenever Mac puts on the apology record... <laughs> it's instant grab the the sniffles uh tissues moment for mike wilkerson well, that's when he uh it, takes off the perpetually angry face and now it's the perpetually sullen face yeah and and it's so effective it is he he letting his shields down moments for mac 
that actor has such a gift. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 again, I have to apologize because when he first came aboard, I really did think it was just going to be giant chocolate hulking black man being the muscle for whatever's going on. Yeah. And that's not what's happened at all with him. I'm so proud and 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 wonderfully wrong in my original in my original thought there. And I love it that this actor and this character can move me so quickly by saying so few words. There's not a whole lot of gobbledygook that happens here at no, all. No. To move me. And I I love that. I also love the fact that they get together a couple of characters that now over nine episodes have taken the time to find an avenue to go back together. Mm. And it's so simple. Mac turns to leave. He goes to open the already open door, and the door shuts with a whoosh. And it's over. And we move forward. I love that. I absolutely love that. An explosive story-ending chat. Wow. So May, or a facsimile thereof, because who knows? Maybe May's been the one that's been taken. Uh, I mean, we don't know. We we, we don't know. We know nothing. Yeah. This is one. Of, this is a jaw dropper. This is a total jaw dropper. This is one of those that had this been put together, and it was one nice chunk that you're watching, and you're going through this roller coaster of, oh, what? Oh, wow, what is going on? Oh, wow, this is a. Wow, oh, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. This was that. That's moment. that moment. Yeah, and then. You got. You have to wait a week to find yeah. out what the hell happens. Yeah, come on. Yeah, this is extraordinary. This is another one of those. It's happened five or six times in in Agents of Shield storytelling already. Mm-hmm. But this is one where you can't quite believe what you've seen, especially after hearing the words come out of Melinda's mouth earlier in the episode. I should have killed him. Yeah. You know what do we do with that? How do we how do we reconcile what we've actually just seen on the screen? And the answer is you don't get to give us an answer for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a wonderfully compiled comic booky moment. Yes, that puts an exclamation point on the and we'll see you next week inside of this episode. And I it was it's where I give this this episode in this series yet another gold trophy. <laughs> because yeah. that's how you write this shit. Mm-hmm. That is how you make this. You make it compelling. You make it satisfying. You make somebody ask the question, and then you make sure that their ass is in the seat next week. Yep. And the way that you do it, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Nick, I've just loaded a couple rounds here. If you do not satisfy me with the appropriate ads inside of our break, I will have to unload this entire firearm. Into your torso. Pardon me, but I don't th- really think you can talk to me that way. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. 
Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, this time Season 6, Episode 9, Collision Course, Part 2. Rubber bullets still hurt, Wilkerson. Yeah, hey, it's all I could afford. Sorry, dude. Every time we come back from break and Nick has survived the onslaught, we get to open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I focus on either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside this particular episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what have you got? My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled with something that we touched upon briefly in the review, and I didn't. I, I, I was kind of hoping that you weren't going to bring it up so that I could have it fresh for <laughs> my shield dossier, but no, you had to bring it up. So I'm going to reiterate my love of Melinda May killing a Shrike in midair before it goes into Deke's mouth. Oh, wow. Yep. I, wow. Oh, was that yours? Did I steal oh, your yeah. shield dossier absolutely. moment? Absolutely. That Good. was absolutely my shield dossier Good. Moment. I'm glad I stole it from you too. Uh, still got no. some, I've still got three rounds in this. Oh, goody. No, it's it's one of those moves that, yeah, okay. I in real life I don't see that happening, but this isn't real life, man. We're we're watching the Agents of Shield from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know. So of course Melinda May is going to be the one <laughs> that saves Deke's screaming ass from becoming an alien zombie. Yeah, that is my Shield dossier. Yeah, my Shield dossier for this episode is completely filled with the missed opportunity character of Jocko mm. because he has died asterisk inside of this episode and that he would have been not only a great companion team member, but you've already said it, a perfect team member add-on. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. seriously, 
He's giant and has all the power that none of our team has. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, oh, by the way, he can breathe fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, he can deliver a $0 special effect at the drop of a hat. Insert checkbox. Right, right. I so love what they had painted with him after just showcasing, hey, look, it's yet another giant, look, he's obviously armed, angry man that's come to destroy things on this planet. Jocko Smash. Yeah, right, at, yeah. At, the onset of this, at the onset of this series, this season. Well, that's not what happened, like mm-hmm. at all. I'm so sad that we're not only not going to be able to see him play with our team, we're not only not going to be able to see him have some satisfactory moment with Sarge, we're also not going to see him bake a set of chocolate chip cookies. Ah. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier moment was inside this episode. Ah, the rating inside this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Obviously. Liquify mode. (laughs) A 1 is on the bottom rung. Plucking a shrike out of midair. That is not a 1. That is a total 10. (laughs) Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I remember we talked about it during the rating last episode that we would have to wait and see how th- how this episode does and then decide would it have been better if they were shown at the same time. And, mm-hmm. of course, we've already mm-hmm. answered that question. The answer is yes, yes, a whole hell of a lot Resounding, of yes. resounding. Yeah. I think that... My rating would have definitely would have changed from from last week because it would have been a two parter, all in one, and I would have been comfortable in giving the both parts a a pretty solid rating. But since we had to split this up, and because we did have a couple of head scratching moments in this episode, there was a lot of epicness and a lot of WTFs and jaw droppers. But when I am sitting in front of my television and I'm going, what the hell are you doing? If I'm saying that out loud to my TV set, to the show that I'm watching, that's a problem. Yes. If I can't understand what I'm seeing Mm -hmm. and then it's not explained so that I can understand, that's a problem. So because of that problem, I have to take this down a whole notch and my rating for this episode is a nine. I think because we have separated these episodes into two, I think I'm going to join you in the philosophy of what you're saying in regard to scale. Mm. There's no question in my mind that these two presented as an 86-minute episode would have been a 10. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, there would have been enough. There was there was there would be so many positives that it it wouldn't matter how many dings we had. Right, and and the value of the, huh? moment inside of this one is such that I, I too have to chalk it down one and give it a nine also. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Episode nine of season six, Collision Course Part Two, 
which obviously should have been just the second 43 minutes to be shown. <laughs> right. Uh, without question. Let us know what you think by going... In fact, tell us both. What would you have rated this as uh, the singles like we did, but then also as one, as I think Nick and I also have just done? Let us know what you will do in regard to ratings by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there or start your own and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes uncover the mysteries critical information and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv that's agentsofshield.tv end this top secret two guys talking communication I like your outrage. That was awesome. Great job on the outrage, Nick. I'm not acting. I oh. am outraged. I was outraged. I'm like, <laughs> literally, it, it stabbed. I was like, what the hell is she doing? And then I have no idea. Everything is fine. I'm like, I have no what? idea. I went back and I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm not dumb. Okay. I immediately go, all right. Well, this this episode <laughs> just took a seven. <laughs> we're not e- we're not even 15 minutes into the episode, and you're already at a seven. You're an average yeah. right now, buddy. Yeah.